the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. This morning, Katerina, I hope you have your Bibles with you. You should. I want to invite your attention to Romans chapter 8. We'll begin our reading at verse number 18 as we continue to preach through this series of messages of hope in a pandemic. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse number 18, says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning, eternal and everlasting God? Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the hope that you have given us and deposited in us. Thank you for just blessing us even thus far in this series of messages. And now today, God, I'm praying that once again, that your Holy Spirit's presence might manifest itself in the preaching of the word of God. That as we declare this word, God, it might penetrate the hearts, the minds, the souls of those who are listening. God, I pray that it would meet them on the pages of their life. No matter what it is they're going through, no matter where it is they are, if they're not saved, they've not given their lives over to you, God, I'm praying that today this word would provoke someone to come asking, what must I do to be saved? And I pray, God, that they would surrender their heart and their life to you today. 
those that are already born again, God, maybe somebody is drifting in their fellowship with you. I pray that this word of God today would draw them nearer unto you, God, that they might reconcile the brokenness of the relationship, that they might rededicate themselves to you on this day, God, that they might declare in their heart and in their mind and through their mouth and their lips that I want to live for God the remainder of my days and I want him to be glorified in me. Spirit of the living God, I pray you would uplift every heavy head, every downtrodden spirit, that your word, God, would permeate the very essence of our beings today. God, I'm praying that even as I stand to declare your word, that you would give me strength in my futile, in my fractured body, God, in my weakness, God, be strong in the preaching of the gospel on today, God, that your word might accomplish what you've set it out to do. I need you, Jesus. I need your power. I need your strength. I need clarity of thought and articulation of speech that your word, God, might accomplish its assignment. So Heavenly Spirit, have your way in and through me. And in this time of preaching, let your word be clear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Again, we have been in this series for a number of weeks now, five weeks thus far, titled Messages of Hope in a Pandemic. We began the series in Psalm chapter 150. We preached there from the subject matter. That was on Mother's Day. Praise the Lord, mothers, encouraging all that even in the midst of the pandemic, even in the midst of these desperate times, that we still have an obligation to praise the Lord. Then we move from there to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 preach there from the subject matter, our hope in the resurrection. And from there, we were in First Thessalonians chapter 4, and we spoke there from the subject matter, memorial hope. In part four of the series, we were in Psalms 20, and there we spoke from the idea, help and hope from the sanctuary. Finally, last week when we were together, we were in Exodus chapter 11, and there in Exodus chapter 11, we spoke from the idea, hope of deliverance. And we kind of shared there in Exodus chapter 11, in our hope of deliverance, we have to remember what God has already done as we hope for what he will do in the future. Secondly, we discovered that our hope needs to be in the words of God. As God spoke the very words, the hope of the people became a hope that was vested in what God had said. And we know that if God says it, that's it. It settles everything. And so our hope should be in the words of God. And then finally, we said there, and our hope should be in the blood of the lamb. Oh, Jesus. And if you don't have hope in the blood of the lamb, there's no hope at all. We saw there in Exodus chapter 11, as the people were preparing to leave out, God had instructed them that everybody was to kill a lamb and put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their homes and and on the lentils of where they eat. And God says that in that day that the death angel comes, in that day of judgment when I come, I'm looking for the blood. I'm looking and where I see the blood, I'll pass over. And so our hope is in the blood of the lamb that in the day of judgment, in the day that the Lord comes to judge the world, that we'll be covered in the blood of the lamb and our hope is vested in that. Now, We've been in quarantine now for three months. And I know you're feeling it. I'm feeling it. We're all feeling it. We've been in this process of 
quarantine for three long months, three months of virtual meetings, three months of working from home, three months of virtual learning and homeschooling. I hear you out there. I hear you saying, Lord Jesus, yeah, three months of dealing with your children. You couldn't send them away and, and wait for them to come back nine hours later. No, three months. They've been with you all day long. And three long months of wearing masks and searching for Clorox wipes and toilet paper and paper towel. Three long months we've been getting up early trying to get the senior special fighting with folks to get this and fighting with people to get that three long months of listening to CDC and governor and mayor and county executive and presidential briefings on what the curve was doing. Lord, have mercy. Three long months we've been inundated with this language of viruses and contaminations and and all this kind of thing. We've been going through three long months, and for some it's been three months of unemployment, three months of confusion, three months of stress, three months worth of anxiety, and three months worth of uncertainty. It's been three long months. Now, I understand and I know that the pandemic was going on long before this, but it's been impacting us for three months here in the United States. We At least, let me say it like this, we've been made aware of it for at least three months. And for three months, we've been going through all these conditions of things to do and preparations and hiding out in the house. You know, for some, it's it's been three months worth of fear because you've been afraid that it's going to get on you. So we've been going through a, a tough time for three months. And, you know, as I I was thinking about this, when we're in the midst of a pandemic and when we're in the midst of times like this, it causes us to hope for a lot of things. It causes us to hope, one, that that this thing will just go away. I've heard that a hundred times. I I just hope this pandemic and this uh, Corona-19 will just go away. You know, we're hoping in all kinds of things during pandemic time, during difficult times. Some of our hopes are impossible hopes, and some of our hopes are just vain hopes, and you know, because some of us are hoping that that, we, that this thing will go on to the end of the year, and I can keep on getting paid and never go to the office, or I don't have to work, but I can still get a check. Some of us are hoping just so it can benefit us, you know, and so we got all kinds of things we're hoping for and all kinds of things that are permeating our mind as we go through and deal with pandemic times. And so my question this morning and the subject that I want to kind of talk to us from on this sixth and final message of the messages of hope in a pandemic, what are you hoping for? What's going through your mind as we deal with pandemic, as coronavirus is spreading all over the land. What is it that you're hoping for in the middle of pandemic, but also racist violence breakouts and all kinds of things being seemingly let loose on us? And what is it that you're hoping for in the midst of times like this? Now, I would suggest that as we shape our hope, that you would shape your hope around something that is worth hoping for, okay? And ultimately, I think that this text will help us to direct our hope in a direction that is worth hoping for. And so here is the idea that I think we all kind of wrestle with, with this thing 
you know, when, when I ask the question, what are we hoping for? Because oftentimes what we hope for has little to do with God, but more to do with us. And in the process of examining this text on this morning, I want you to see something. I want you to see that when you put your hope in what God has already planned and provided for, you can really bank on that. That's a good place to put hope. You can recklessly direct your hope into anything and everything. But I would suggest that you would put your hope in that which God already has for you. In other words, why would I hope for something God doesn't even want for me? Lord, have mercy. In this first segment of the the passage here in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, we find these words, and and it's interesting, it's, it's pretty powerful because the Apostle Paul has just finished laying out for the believer how it is that we've been blessed to be adopted into their family of God, how we've become joint heirs with him, how we have all this benefit and pleasure of being able to call him in a personal way, Abba Father. He's laid out all of that for us and helped us to understand that we have this intimate relationship with God. And he says this, he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The first movement of this text, as I redirect your hope on this morning, I'd say you ought to hope for the glory that shall be revealed in us. That's a good place to put your hope. Because Paul says, in light of the fact that we've been made children of God, as such, we will be glorified with him. Not only have we been adopted into the family and we're going to be glorified with him, if you're going to be glorified with him before you get to glorification, you got to go through some suffering. Amen. So you got to suffer with him if you're going to be glorified with him. But Paul says, as I weigh it in the balance, as I consider, the word here, consider, comes from the Greek word, logizomai, which means I've carefully considered, I've weighed it in the balance, I've figured in my calculations that when I weigh out the suffering that we go through here, when I weigh out three months worth of pandemic, when I weigh out three years worth of heartache, when I weigh out 30 years worth of pain and suffering, when I weigh out what I have to go through down here, It's not even worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Now, that's something to hope for. Paul says, I've weighed it out on the scales. I've balanced it out. We're going to suffer down here. But when he looked at what God had set before us as hope, as the glory that's going to be revealed, Paul says none of this stuff, none of these worries of the world are are even considerable. Don't sweat yourself over this little stuff. Because what God has in front of us, which we are hoping for, that we may be glorified with him, that glory that shall be revealed in us is not even worth comparing to what we're going through down here. This little stuff, this little suffering that we're dealing with is not worthy to be compared. In other words, he says, our glorification in God is going to eclipse 
are suffering of this world. Lord Jesus. Now, I'm going to talk to somebody right about here because I know what you're thinking. I know what you're saying. Pastor, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't, you don't know how much suffering I've been through. You don't know how long I've been going through this. Can I help somebody here? I don't care if you've been suffering for 75 years. One moment in the presence of the glory of God when not only do you witness his glory, but you are glorified like him. Woo! It'll make it all worth the while. All of the headache and the heartache and the pain and the suffering of this world will be melted away by the glory that shall be revealed in us. So I would suggest to you this morning that you might want to redirect your hope in the glory that shall be revealed in us. You should be looking forward and having great expectation of that hope, that glory that's going to be revealed in us. In verse 19, he says, The earnest expectation of creation is eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. What this helps me to understand is that creation itself is eagerly and earnestly waiting for the day that we as the children of God are glorified with him. Why are we hoping? For new cars and new houses and getting married and money in the bank and all this little bitty stuff. When creation itself has a bigger view, has a greater hope than what we have. Creation hopes and is eagerly waiting for the day that we are glorified with God. And so if creation is waiting, why aren't we waiting? If creation is hoping, why aren't we hoping? And he says here, look, creation itself is earnestly and eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. In the day that the sons of God are glorified, creation is hoping for that day that we shall be glorified and the glory shall be revealed in us. Why are we also eagerly, excitedly putting that on our agenda to hope for? Instead of all these other little things. So I think that we too ought to be hoping for the glory that shall be revealed in us. Ultimately, what shall happen is that we will be glorified as God is glorified. So we shall be united with him, connected with him, and in his glory, we share in his glory. In the same way that we share in his glory, we have to share in his suffering. That's why for every Christian, you need to understand and know this. I don't care what everybody else has been telling you. I know everybody else has been telling you, you become a Christian, everything's going to be wonderful. Everything's going to be peachy keen. Everything's going to be smiles and happy. They lying to you because the Bible says in this life, you will suffer. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, if they persecuted me, they sure enough going to persecute you because is the servant better than his master? If the master has to go through some suffering, sure enough, we've got to go through some suffering. And I would suggest that COVID-19 does not compare to the suffering that he went through on Calvary for you and for me. So he wants you to understand here. Look, let your hope be in the glory that shall be revealed in us. Second thing here in the text, he picks up verse 20. He says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Creation was subjected in the same way as we were to have hope that 
God would redeem the world. In Genesis chapter 3, when God began to issue out the punishments, what he did was he included creation in the punishment so that creation also would hope for the day that God would rectify the sin of man. Lord Jesus. See, what God did, God in his judgment, he says, watch this, in verse 21, verse 21 says, for we know that the whole creation groans with labor pains or, or groans and labors with birth pains together up, up until now. Even creation, from the sin of Adam up until this day, all of creation, all of the earth, all of what God made is groaning and hoping and waiting for the day that God, watch this, unravels all the issues of sin and brings it all up, all to pass that he redeems man from this sinful world. This is what he does. So the, the question here is, why is creation subjected to the same conditions of judgment that man was? What did, what did creation do? Creation didn't do anything. I mean, the fruit was just hanging on the tree. And then Adam went and got the fruit by the encouragement of the serpent. And he ate the fruit after his wife ate the fruit. It was man who sinned against God. What did creation do? Why would creation be included in this judgment? I'm glad you asked that question. In Genesis chapter 3, watch this. What God does when he starts issuing out judgments, he starts with the serpent. And he, he says, Chapter 3, verse 14, it says, cursed are you, key point, more than any other beast of the field. Lord Jesus, this is, this is good stuff. I wish I had Bible study time because I, I could really walk you through like I want to. But watch this. He cursed the serpent, but there's something else that's included in here. He says, you're cursed more than the other beast, which also means he cursed the other beast too. But the serpent... You just are going to be cursed more. So when sin entered the world, not only did he curse the serpent, but he cursed all of the other animals as well, but he cursed the serpent more. Y'all still here with me? And so he moves from the serpent, the curse on the serpent and all, all, the, all the other animals, and he says then to the woman, he says to the woman, I'm, cursed is the woman. And in childbirth and in conception I'm going to greatly multiply your sorrow so now as a result of what the woman did she's got a curse on her as a result of what the serpent did he's got a curse on him but also there was a curse put on all the other animals and all the other of creation watch this then he comes to the man in chapter 3 verse 17 and he says to the man because of you, cursed is the ground. Watch this. Oh, Jesus. I feel like at first when I read this, I, this is unfair. Why are you cursing the ground? Why, why does the ground get cursed because of the man? Why does the animals get cursed because of the serpent? Why do the children get cursed because of the mama? And why did they have to go through this whole thing? Well, because sin corrupted everything. It fractured the image of God. It fractured the holiness of God. It broke the image of God. It created, it created a pandemic that spread through the garden. And from that time till 
this it's been being spread from man to man woman to woman boy to boy girl to girl everything that was born into the world now has the curse on it and all of creation was cursed but here's the connection here's the connection he says to the man the ground is cursed because of you and he says because you were from the dust y'all 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 catch that and back to the dust you shall return watch this see man even though god had put his spirit in him he still was dirt Lord Jesus. And it was dirt that defied the law of God. It was dirt that went against the plan of God. It was dirt that said to God, I'm not going to do what you say do. It was dirt that decided I'm going to be better than God. And so as a result of that, God said, I'm cursing dirt. And since the dirt is cursed and everything else that was created was created out of it and everything else is surviving because of it, everything is cursed. So now everybody is connected to the curse but God says to them I'm going to put hope in your heart for the day that redemption is coming to continue our journey tune in next week for the second half of today's message praise the Lord you have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III where we minister in the spirit of excellence We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together. And we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services, Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center, located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.